logic of puja, praising, offering, and using our voices, using these simple elements, the candles, shrine, Buddha, images, symbols, um, to facilitate a sense of offering, offering ourselves. particular mudra of the heart, particular gesture of the heart that is um, gives rise to joy, the equality of, of giving and offering. There's a the logic of this, particularly in this uh, ritual form, is this is helps to <coughs> address the difficulties of the citta as it comes into the person, personal form. So citta is something that is, uh, has no real boundaries, it's a sense of resonance, uh, joyfulness, grief, joy, uh, sorrow, it's resonant like that. It has intentions and aspirations, but uh, it's also a form of a person who acts as the kind of agent between those heart qualities and the world of sense contact, the world around us, sense contact, and also particularly specifically human contact, where the person personality gets formed, and this is often very limited conditioned, um, stressful in many cases, um, anxious, um, defensive, uncertain, because of human contact. Because human contact has not always been skillful, benevolent, loving, so forth. So the person is often trying to come up with something to make things work so they'll be okay and people will be okay with them and so on and so on and so on. But it doesn't actually resolve the fundamental anxiety of, of the person. It just kind of deals with it in a, in a, in a way. Was lose his touch with heart qualities, particularly in high performance um, systems. It doesn't really matter what you feel, just get on with it. And in situations where human contact is not receptive, harmonious, you know things that the jitta would actually feel comfortable with. The person gets formed a very um, unsatisfactory and sometimes quite painful interface of human contact. <coughs> and 
because you know there's you know, big stories with that social dysfunction, discrimination, um, you know. So the personal form, which is what we tend to come into, because you know, that's, that's how the chitta manifests in, in the world, in this world of sense contact with other people, is often extremely limited, precarious, not comfortable. Mm. So much of our practice is a way of returning to chitta, and in the beginning also to uh, breathe chitta, to, I mean breathe in perhaps a metaphorical way, but to pervade qualities of chitta into a personal, to take out some of the, that uh, edginess or shutdown or closures that occur in the personal history, personal form. It varies from individual to individual, of course. Mm. And it has many layers to it. The top bottom layer is the way in the sense of loss. Not really grounded and to do something to get to be here. Moves on, you know, that layer gets uh, covered by some people who don't deserve it, mm. have to do something, and that layer gets covered by don't need it, or I'm my own, I can manage. And that layer hardens into the very hardened personal forms. And these are not. They come, they come experienced in very individual ways, but they're actually quite, quite commonly shared, these experiences. It's also part of a natural formation, but a rather diseased natural formation that, that beings can experience to some degree or another. They have different situations, some situations they find that isn't happening. Others it does. It's very frustrating. <coughs> and the person can't really manage it. Because the person is the result of the problem. So, uh, to return to chitta, to heart, hmm, takes some doing. Particularly when, maybe if we don't need it, the person feels well, so well. But uh, when we gather here, it's probably because most of us, at some level or other, realize we do need it. We want to be there, we want to come back to a healthy nature, to rewild, to take out the toxins and the fences and the concrete, and let some green stuff start to come through, however spindly it may seem at first. Doesn't happen overnight. <coughs> now, devotion is one way, one means. We talk about cultivation of chitta, cultivating this return to chitta, to the clarification 
and the healing of the person through chitta, rewilding. You know, we clearly, most of us have a good deal of faith in meditation, sitting still, you know, doing whatever you do. You know. This is really one, one point, one aspect of, of cultivation. Devotion is another aspect of it. So we're not separate, really. They can blend into each other. Devotion is not about belief. Um, it's not about asking for the Buddha to do us a favour. Uh, it's just an image here. <coughs> but it's really about using images and personal voices and our own personal bodies. So we're just thinking it. You're really embodying through the voice and through bowing, through offering, an expression of love, of giving, of joyfulness. Vajita really needs this. This is this is hard food. So <coughs> way to just get a soft focus on devotion. It's not really the words come later and they have their use for recollection, which is another skillful practice, but the first quality is heartful. Come through into offering your voices. And particularly in a group because perhaps my your voices aren't individually that great. It's getting all hoarse and raspy. But this time it doesn't matter. And the interesting thing is that we all, through listening, arrive at the same note. It happens naturally. If you listen, your ears your voice system tune in to the sounds of others. If you dwell in that, don't even think it, but perhaps just bear in mind and experience that your voice, which is a very intimate, particular feature of your personhood, is now just blending in, in a field of others. There's no, it's you're different, but there's no separation really. There's no who's got the best, who's getting it right, who's getting it wrong, who's got the loudest voice. The idea is that when we chant in a group that no one voice stands out as the perfection. It's the group voice. And sensing that through the heart, experience of harmony, which is another really powerfully needed chitta quality to just be in harmony with others, to not feel so isolated, so compared, so you know, distinguished. This is a big part. Certainly in monastic life, this is a big part of 
because we live in communities. This is a necessary feature. Communities can be extremely difficult. You know, you know, because they're made of persons and they try to act as a group. <coughs> extremely difficult. And they can be incredibly healing.
the way the way of returning to nature. Dhamma, one translation of it is the natural order of things, the natural rhythm, the natural cycle, that which generates or centers a sense of harmony and order. And all Dhamma practices are about this. Uh, sila generates harmony and order. Kindness generates harmony and order. Meditation, mindfulness generates a sense of harmony, being with what's experiencing, not conflicting with it, letting it settle, letting it find its own way, not pushing it around. And yet, guided under the light of Dhamma. Sangha, all us individual humans coming through our lives, our histories, these difficult bodies, difficult mindsets, difficult attitudes, stuck places, all of us coming through that to aspire to arise and to offer ourselves to the practice. These themselves are beautiful images to, to recollect. Recollection and praise. with uh, devotional practices which pieces 
does it help to dislodge the isolation, the hard-headedness, the, the critical qualities, the performance drives, does it help to release any of those? Finding that in nature we're able to be, to be with, finding a sense of refuge or ground in being and being with. The personal calm as it arises, body, mind. Sounds, temperatures, movements, without the tense engagement with it all, as devotion takes us to the ground, natural joy.
the bells sign of time for a moment of loosening physically attitudinally loosen your attention <coughs> stretch your bodies Thank <laughs> you. 